0: Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. In today's program, my guest is Kaifi Dixon. She is a Boston bus driver and urban farmer who seeks equity for low income women of color. In 2017, Kaifi founded Boston's first cooperative for women, a worker owned urban farm food co op called the Common Good Co-op, which includes women of all races, class, and culture. Kayfie is one of the producers of the new documentary, A Raccoon in Boston, which has been released now in May 2021, a film where she shares her experience, hopes, and perspectives. Welcome, Kayfie.
1: Thank you, Kai, and I thank your audience for having me.
0: Uh, the Recording Boston, uh, a documentary that brings us into the reality of social life in the neighborhoods and communities in the US of today and in Boston. And for your listener who doesn't know where Boston is, it's one of the oldest towns in America, in the capital of Massachusetts. Uh, there are 23 neighborhoods, home to about million people. Uh, And when we're going into the documentary and look at the reviews from the last week, uh, one of the many reviews of the film we find in Boston Globe, which tell us an absolute must see, especially for white audience who think they know their hometown. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us more about the film, Kevin?
1: Well, I appreciate, Kai, bringing up uh, a little more information about the city of Boston um, and the 20-something-odd neighborhoods that embody the city, uh, and particularly the part of the city I live in, the neighborhood I live in here in Boston, is called Dorchester, Massachusetts. And Dorchester, Massachusetts has the highest rate of women in any of the neighborhoods and has the highest rate of population, cultured population, uh, minority population, um, which is uh, 24%, the second highest after the white population. So we're a huge part of um, the fabric of the city of Boston. One of the things that I looked at um, in the city of Boston, not just as a bus driver, uh, a working class person, you know, putting her children through college as a single mom, I also looked at what our community, what resources the women in our community had and how could we, in looking at, you know, what was going on in the environment, what was going on with climate change, what was going on with health and healthcare in our neighborhood, in our city, in our state, and in our country, how do you find resolutions for this large demographic of women that's not solely based on long-term charity? And um, unfortunately, a lot of the the social problems, um, well, fortunately, I, I felt that some of the social problems could be achieved by collective work and that we could support this community through collective work and community cooperation. The documentary of Reckoning in Boston Gets into the subject matters that these sixty thousand plus women, you know, that impact them. The subject matters that impact them, like um, how homelessness, um, being underhoused, lack of affordable housing, um, issues like uh, lack of access to fresh food and to healthy food. Um, nutrient food and also lack of access to a community space, a green space that enables them to come out together in the sun, you know, with fresh air, with their families and work together towards a common goal. Whether that's a common goal um, that's philosophical or a common goal that uh, is uh, actionable, like planting crops, like planning to purchase food, like talking about how do you resolve issues around housing? So in realizing that those were issues for me, um, I first wanted to understand the philosophy of what did some of our, the oldest philosophers like Socrates where did they see themselves in terms of thinking about democracies and about society as a whole? What was the philosophy for society as a whole? What was the, the, what, where, what was the intention and how close or far off were we from those intentions of what a city should be, what a community should be? how we should care for each other. Um, and I started taking a night class in the humanities um, because I really, I hadn't been to college. I, I, I had little education at the time um, and I wanted to take college classes uh, to help me. So um, I enrolled in a humanities course to better understand about society, about political process, about philosophy, about history, so that I could support myself in better understanding how to bring these women together in our community towards resolving, self-resolving, some of the the social problems that they were experiencing as a group.
0: In a city with a troubled racial past. Ah!
1: have had enough. This community has had enough.
0: The rich are getting richer.
1: you're in development here in the city of Boston, this has become your paradise. And the poor are getting desperate. If we look at the people who have made wealth, they are not brown folks. Coffee Dixon. There are more people feeding their beasts than they're human.
0: And Carl Chandler.
1: Everybody has dreams and aspirations are trying
0: to move forward by studying the great minds of the past
1: we take seriously the dictum of thomas aquinas first seek to understand
0: in a city that's leaving them behind
1: everywhere i go there's houses being built but i'm homeless
0: so um, when did it come into your mind to create the documentary
1: yeah so james the director was already filming the class for another purpose. Um, he was filming the class um, because he was putting together a short film about um, communities of color who lacked education, who were going back to school as adults to educate themselves. And here in the United States, some of the, some of the, it's stabilizing community supports that may be in other countries and other European countries are not here in America. So uh, education is not always guaranteed. Um, only recently was healthcare guaranteed. Um, we live in a very capitalist society, right? You may not be, afford- be able to afford to have an education. So um, this, course in humanities at the Clemente course um, was important because it made education accessible for those who did not have the money to pay for college tuition or university. Mm -hmm. So James was filming that class and we were in the class and he just in me talking about the experiences of the woman in my community. He became more curious and asked if he could um you know, see what my life was like outside of the class. And um, began, that began the journey of James Rutenbeck and I, as uh, he as the director, and um, the course in which we uh, formed this friendship where I become the producer to assist him in the documentary. It is human nature to want every unfair advantage you can get and not to be concerned about others. God, if these people are evicted, where will they go? You are surrounded by a world with which you feel out of step. Every 35 hours, a black man is shot by a cop in America. We throw away red, black, and brown young men at the drop of a hat. We represent the Boston that we're fighting for right here it comes like a fire inside of you. That fire can consume us, or can burn the whole thing down. A reckoning is coming. You are not expected to aspire to excellence. You are expected to make peace with mediocrity. Justice is not just what you do. Justice is who we are.
0: A reckoning in Boston. And when did you start to do the film?
1: We started the film, oddly, I believe it was almost 2017, 2018. It was, it, it, the film was just released this year, and it was a five-year process. We just uh, completed filming last year. Um, but I believe we started in 2017, and James and I's relationship um, and his understanding of uh some of the experiences and trying to be a co-op developer, we're looking for innovative solutions. Um, yeah, he followed me around for five years uh, yeah. with a camera. Yeah.
0: So can you give us any insights of the film that you feel is a good part of the story?
1: Yeah. Um, And I know the audience, uh, Kai's audience may be global, so I want to provide context because I believe over the last few years, um, many people from many countries have been trying to understand the violence in America and how a country with so much can sometimes miss opportunities and how so many people go with so little. Um, you know, it's strange in Boston. Um, so James, some of the insights were about the intentions of creating a co-op and what is the responsibility of other communities in supporting self-driven resolutions by people who are under resourced. And although to many here in Boston, um, it seems simple to say, yes, let's involve uh, minority communities in the conversation around neighborhood or community development for the betterment of neighborhoods, community, society, environment, the climate, right? Although those seem like commonplace and just causes, James's journey with me has James as a witness to a city's inability to support those just causes that women are asking for in their their own self-actualization.
0: Such a hard social life film. Mm. A lot of negative feelings of surrounding neighborhoods. You see homelessness, you see racial issues coming up with violence. And, and then you must have had some thoughts about what is the message from me when I do this film.
1: Yeah. And that was a very simple message that I think will take a long time for American society to uh, grasp. Um, Some think it's a message about Dorchester, some think it's a message about Boston, some think it's a message about the state of Massachusetts, but it really is a message to American society. Um, On one hand, we have to understand that Some of it is racism, right? Or bias. A lot of it is based in a misunderstanding of different races and different cultures. And that misunderstanding, even more so than racial bias, can create violence. The humanization of the person next to you who may not look like you, who may not be of your class, or of your culture, but how do you humanize the person who you don't know, right? It's easy to humanize when we all are homogenous and, 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 and have the same experiences and, and are from the same communities, but how do you look at another and to humanize them to an extent of being nonviolent? That's one audience, right? The second audience is the other perspective from the audience is around self-determination and a determination to change. I wanted, I, I agreed to let James be a witness to a simple task, which was asking the city of Boston for a small plot of land to grow organic food, not for myself, but for other women. Um, and in Massachusetts, there are, I think I'm one of three farmers in the state. So in asking for something very simple, the complex social issue came out. About how do you support or how do you humanize the request of someone who may look like you, who may not look like you? So, um, the social issue that I wanted to, the second audience social issue I wanted to say was to encourage everybody to realize that with determination, we have the power to create impact. And that it's not to wait. You know, it's not to either position ourselves as a hero or to wait for a hero, right? It's to understand as individuals, seen and unseen, we have the ability to make change for, towards good. And with the determination that's um, witnessed in the documentary, it was my determination to make change on many levels for the sake not of money but for the sake of what was good
0: that uh, gives uh, a thought into uh, what you can call uh, also to mobilize people's energy into to be some sort of change maker but uh, democracy is about engagement and yes. uh, Of course, a film can help the process to communicate important issues, uh, to reach out to people. It's heavy time and and, uh, circumstances make it more difficult but yes, are you trying to to get the film into schools or what what, what yes. is the plan for for the film
1: you know oddly enough boston uh, to talk about engagement the reason that the documentary was so important and the truth and the authenticity in the documentary of these experiences were important because you often don't get to engage a mass society or a large group of people around um, understanding subject matters that are not pertinent to their experience in their community. Um, So yes, uh, in engagement, uh, we are working with an impact producer, Marga, who is amazing, who is asking not just the city, but also universities, and communities that are stakeholders, that um, profess to want to do good work just work and support communities to use the documentary as a tool. In the beginning of this conversation, we talked about how misunderstanding can create violence, Um, misunderstanding or lack of knowledge of the other or othering can create violence. We see this documentary as a tool, not for a story of um, defeat, but for a story of triumph and determination and understanding the sheer will to do better. So um, yes, we are asking universities um, to, uh, and, and, and organizations, Uh, especially cooperative organizations, organizations that are interested in doing, um, talking about um, environmental change, climate change, the the health um, and uh, nonviolent solutions um, to social problems. We're asking them to support the documentary, to support the co-op work that we do, and to use it as a tool to better educate themselves towards resolving those misunderstandings that, again, contribute to so many of society's problems, rather than solve them.
0: Yeah, well, uh, even if uh, I think also that uh, you believe that the film can inspire for change and, uh, but the engagement is more than a film, Kofi. Yes. Uh, what, what is your plans? you say often you're coming back to the word cooperative yes so what is your plans
1: so um to talk about the engagement in the time of covid um the double-edged sword is that the the digital platform allows us to have more conversations more often so once the documentary is picked up by an organization or by a university or by um, an institute or a think tank, the documentary is watched. And then as part of the panel, the digital panel, James, Carl, and I come on to better help that audience, that community, understand the documentary and also create change for them. Um, And that's the engagement part of it. It's not just the documentary um, engaging around the subject matter, is coming together as a community to more talk about how uh, people in different sectors can themselves be uh, tools of change. So um, that's the engagement. Um, We're also doing policy work, where we have um, a couple of um, uh, policy points that we're asking people to do. one is um, to support the city or the idea around um, land use towards health. Um, to use the second, to use the documentary as a tool. Um, the third is to better have conversations around racial bias or classism, right? And the third is to support cooperative works here in the city of Boston, and support the development and the completion of the structuring for our cooperative, which is Common Good Cooperative. So that those are points of engagement, um, and all points of catalyst to open in the conversation up. Hopefully,
0: mm-hmm. you name that Common Good Cooperative. Uh, How was that uh, created?
1: The commons. The commons. The commons. And it took a friend, a mentor from Tufts University, um, Fernando, Dr. Fernando Ona, to ask me as an uneducated woman at the time, what were the commons? I knew innately that the power of cooperatives, of working together, and um, in, 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 in hopefully in good intention. But I did not understand the concept of the commons. And in better educating myself and other women, we understood, I mean, there have been failures in the ideals of the commons and they have been successes. But what is it to work together? What is it to make accessible for the good of and the humanization of the people, right? And to move hopefully out of a capitalistic market, which is solely about profits, but to move into a social space that becomes about the people.
0: So, when did you set up the, the co-op?
1: The co-op was so interesting. Um, like I said, I did not know a lot about the commons. I had known about cooperatives as far as uh, food co-ops, but in learning more about co-ops in Europe, Mm-hmm. and in Sweden, and in yeah. Denmark, and so many other, co- even oh, in- you,
0: you can go up to upstate New York and find in Albany a lot of very interesting co-op, food co-ops, and I think you have some tradition in US uh, yeah. about the cooperative movement. Maybe you have some strength in your neighborhoods.
1: Well, here's the interesting thing. Um, co-ops, Um, A a little known story about uh, the transatlantic slave trade from West Africa to the Caribbean, the West Indian, uh, the South America and the Americas was that after the uh, abolition movement and after the dismantling through political process of enslaved and indentured servants, even still with a community was experiencing violence. They were a new community in a new land and they were trying to uh, you know, bring together their political will, build communities and were experiencing extreme physical um, violence and harm. Um, but they also were experiencing economic violence due to racism. And it was cooperatives in this country that were able to stabilize the communities and provide them economic uh, footing. So, in my history as an African American and French Canadian, um, cooperatives were important to stabilizing communities. So, I knew that, right? The importance of agricultural cooperatives, the importance of um, childcare co ops, right? Of land co ops and of food co ops. Um, as a way to stabilize yourself while you're having the conversation of how do we all work together, regardless of class, race, or culture. So I understood that. And I was just like, I know these are not Jim Crow eras. I know these are not times of lynching. These are not the times of house burning, right? Um, But these are times of violence. How do we take the old understanding of American cooperatives, for African-Americans and how do we translate them into a newer time and age where we look at violence, not as a a physical construct, but of an environmental construct. And so um, we started, I I started as a buying group just to see if women were interesting, a dairy buying group where um, myself and I think about 35 other families would pool money to buy high quality dairy again, an issue in America and in the United States that may not be in other countries is the quality of food as well. Um, because our agriculture is based on a very capitalistic mar- uh, model. So um, I wanted the women to have high quality dairy. Um, and I wanted them to have high quality protein to see if I could decrease their meat consumption and their, their food consumption of you know, high carb, high starch, low fresh produce, right? Um, And it was successful. We were able to bring milk and eggs to many families, high quality, high fat, organic, small farm, small distributor. And then I started thinking, um, could we do this for other things? Could we not just purchase, I, I think in like 2015, 2016, I started to think, could it not just be about purchasing food, but could we grow food together? And could we live together? And could we be in community and commune together? And that more attached itself, not to the buying group model, but to a cooperative model with cooperative principles. But I also realized here in America that we would need to re-educate certain communities to better understand what is the impact of the cooperative and and what are their intentions towards long-term good? And how do you assure a long-term good towards the commons, towards communing, towards cooperation, towards healthy cooperatives? We should be studying co-ops more to understand them as a a self-innovation model, a social model towards, imparting the understanding of working together rather than working apart what is the spirit of the co-op what do we hope to achieve again in climate change in environment and community development right Um, But those take people who have thought about this longer and harder than we, that we seek them out to contribute to that conversation. So we are still in the final stages of uh, structuring um, in order to bring the members in fully um, as shared owners, but we are still currently in our search for people to consult and contribute again to this model. Um, until then, we are in our second season of organic farming in an urban farm in a lower income area of Dorchester here in Boston, where we've grown well over 600 pounds of produce and organic produce. And we run a, um, a UPIC um, urban farm food co-op where people can walk up to the gate let us know what they'd like to purchase. And we pick it fresh off of the farm site um, and we provide it to them and they take it home to their families. Over 900 women have signed up to the Women of Color Co-op on meetup.com. We've had uh, 30, I know it sounds like a small amount, we've had 30 members come out to the farm site even when we weren't growing anything and assist us in raising the farm. And they signed up to be co-op members. We now have uh, a crowdfunding campaign for the co-op based on membership. And we have in the last two months have 60 members. So, um, you know, to do the math, uh, that's 130, um, I believe, plus the over 900 women. So this co-op in boston is now poised to engage just in this first couple of years over a thousand women who are interested in cooperative models for their community
0: that's great uh kathy and um (laughs) but uh, maybe that's uh, something we we have to see the documentary and and Combine that with your thoughts in our podcast program today. So where yeah. can people uh, find the film?
1: You can find the film at reckoning in Boston um, uh, through a, a Google search. And I'm sure that Kai um, hopefully will be willing to put a link. Uh, so if you uh, search uh, a query reckoning in Boston, you will find the documentary. Um, you can also uh, visit uh, James Rutenbeck, um, who is the director, or you can Google Kaffi Dixon, K-A-F-I-D-I-X-O-N, and the documentary will come up. And if you're interested in um, either participating in a screening or holding a screening, which we would love, um, you can contact uh, the website for Reckoning in Boston and um, they would be willing to uh, schedule a conversation around uh, seeing the documentary or participating and screening the documentary for an audience.
0: That's great, kevin yeah. and for your inspirational talk today. And, and, and I <laughs> hope that uh, many people are listening and to take some of your thoughts into their own life. And maybe we create a little bit of a more networking models for the the new cooperatives who has a future uh, to look for so thank you yeah
1: i wanted to say this and i thank you kai so much to there i do believe in the cooperative community and i hope i've expressed that and we'd like to be a resource for you kai and for other people who are interested And how to use cooperatives or how to look at this model of cooperatives here in Boston to better understand creating a community of cooperatives here in the United States and here in our state and our city. Um, If you would like to reach me, you can reach us through Common Good Cooperatives' website. Um, and we also are seeking support for the crowd so that if we have uh, consultants, if we can't find any pro bono consultants, that the women have the resources to um, hire consultants in to get the final parts of this model put together. And we hope that uh, our global connection is not just between CHI, but between an entire global cooperative community and their support
0: thank you kathy for your participation today and uh, thank you for the stories around this thank you. and hope to talk to you soon bye you for will.
1: Now. bye have a good day
0: i'm kai Embran. follow me on twitter and linkedin Where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast and you can expect about two programs a month and each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more visit my homepage KaiEmbren.org Thank you for listening.